if you have your Bibles with you, I want to share with you some passages that will just, it has blessed my heart already this week. All week long, I've been thinking about heaven and, and what, what it will be like and what God has in store for us. And I love to talk about heaven. I really do. I love to uh, uh, try to visualize what, what heaven is all about. I like to preach about it. I like to ask God to show us a little more about what he has in mind. Uh, we see it, as I looked at the word of heaven this week, I wrote down, having eternal awareness, victorious enjoyment, never ending. That's what heaven is all about. And I believe it is so. And uh, as I read the Bible, in the King James Version especially, there's 582 times that heaven is mentioned, while hell is only mentioned 54. Sounds to me like God likes to talk about heaven too. And so I, it kind of blessed me to realize that. And so... Today we're going to talk a little bit about heaven and about our, our role as God's people on earth as we strive to do his will and walk towards that heavenly existence that we will have one day. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn to Revelations. Certainly Revelations has the words for us to share. Revelations 19, 5 through 9, I want to read those verses for you. And if you could find your place in God's word, please stand for the reading of it. <clears throat> Revelations 19, 5 through, uh, 5 through 9. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his saints, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard as it were the voice of a, of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of a mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. May God add his blessings to those words and to our better understanding in a moment. Would you bow with me again for just a moment of prayer? Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that we're able to look in your word again today and just try to imagine, try to think about what you have in store for your children. And Lord, I just thank you for that blessed hope that every child of God can have in their hearts today as I do. And I thank you for that, Lord, that, that personal attention that you gave us when you saved our soul. And Lord, that today those of us who are your children can rejoice in that fact. And yet, Lord, I know that there's a chance there's someone or maybe some here that has not been saved, that does not have that hope of heaven after a while. And I just ask you, Lord, that you would help them to see that you love them too and you want to fix a place for them in heaven one day. Guide us now, Lord, as we listen to you speak through your word. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Maybe seated. I like the song, Blessed Assurance. Doesn't it not, does it not talk about heaven, the assurance that every child of God has, that when this life is ended and far beyond the walls of this world, there's a grandness that you can't grasp, cannot the human mind, cannot really, and I can't here today tell you all about heaven. I can tell you some things like, I know that heaven's not a myth. I know that when I go to heaven, I'm not going to be floating around on a cloud out in space somewhere. I know that there's a realities of heaven and it is a real, uh, real promise that we can grasp hold of. And 
uh, as I looked at these words, I, I thought about the songs that we sang as I'll fly away and some of those songs, when we all get to heaven as we sang, and I like what a day that will be, and all of those songs that just makes us ponder what God has promised. And as we do that, I, I'd like for us just to think about the realities of heaven and how that God's people has that beautiful promise and the foreverness that it holds for us. Uh, John's gospel in the 14th chapter, Jesus getting ready himself to go to heaven and we read there that heaven is not going to have any blind people. Heaven is not going to have any deaf people. In fact, Philippians 3.21 says, we shall be changed our vile bodies and it'll be fashioned like Jesus' glorious body. Now that is a promise, indeed it is. We know that when Jesus came to earth, he had an earthen body, a fleshly existence that the world could see. I'm not sure what God did about that when Jesus went back to heaven. I'm not sure exactly what he does look like or will when I see him, but I know, he, I know in fact we shall be known as we're known, we shall see him as he is, and we will be fashioned as he is fashioned, and the, the resemblance of his body will be ours, and we know that is a glorious promise that we can have. Heaven's not just a fancy place that we can dream about, but it's a reality of a promise. And one of the things that I see too, talking about the realities of heaven, Jesus said to the disciples, I will not anymore drink of the fruit of the vine until I drink it with you in my new, in the, my new kingdom. Where is God's new, where is Jesus' new kingdom? Certainly we know it's heaven. And he was about to leave for heaven. And he told the disciples there in John 14, that he wouldn't be able to drink again with them until he got into, or we, and I think he made it plural, till he got into the kingdom, uh, to the Father's kingdom, he said, I think. And so as we think about that, we, I want you to know that it's a reality, that no, indeed, you will not be in some sort of myth or some sort of imaginary state of existence, but as a, as a real and wonderful way to be in an eternal existence with our Heavenly Father, God Himself. As we think about God, as we think about Jesus, and in the very beginning, as I, as I shared with you here, it talked about be clothed, uh, or actually the marriage of the Lamb, and certainly you know the Bible makes it very clear and not, not hard to understand at all that the Lamb of God was Jesus Christ. And He is going to be that person that will be married to the bridegroom. And so, to the bride, I mean. And so the bride will be, who will the bride be? Will be the church. Sure it is. You are a part of the bride of Christ. And when it talked about there be clothed uh, with the righteousness of the linen of the righteousness of saints, I believe that you and I are being clothed daily in our lives here on earth. How are we clothed? We know that when we're clothed, we will be uh, helping Jesus win souls. What, what better foundation to have for our earthly homes and to send those deeds to glory to build that house. Jesus said, I'm going to build you a mansion. I, you know, I hear people talk about, and the song says, uh, a mansion in glory, but some of them says a, a cabin in the glory land. I don't get too excited about either. I did excited about this one very thing, and that is the fact, friends, I'm going to see Jesus face to face. Can you imagine that? What will we see? How will it be? That gets exciting to me to know that that is what we... And you know, I can't imagine uh, some of our sisters just recently passed away. And I can't imagine what it was like for them. I, I found them like Phyllis, uh, she, the beautiful lady of a, one of our members that has gone on to be with Jesus. And, and I can't imagine what she's got to see and feel. But it's a reality. She sees Jesus. 
And uh, I would love for her to send word back uh, what it was like, but that can't happen other than we know that to know Jesus is to know the word of God. And we're not going to have a, 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 an, any ability at all to know more about heaven and God himself than to be able to know that through reading of his word. And so how else do we send materials up to God? We can be a good Samaritan. And a good Samaritan might be the door that we're able to open to help someone that is in need. That's materials to heaven. The Bible says, don't put up for yourselves treasures on earth where rust and moth does corrupt and thieves break through and steal. But put up for your treasures in heaven where none of that can happen and where Jesus will use it to build your place in heaven. So is there a building program going on for you in heaven? Let me pause there for just a moment. And I know, I feel like that I'm sitting among many saints of God here this morning. I feel like that most, if not all, that have come to the age of accountability have been saved by God's grace. But if you are not a Christian and feel that God is touching your heart in some sort of way, I want you to know that God loves you too. For God so loved the world that whosoever, young or old, believeth in him, is not going to perish when this life is ended, but have an everlasting existence that he's promised in heaven. So I thought about heaven. What size is heaven? Is it going to be big enough for us all? The Bible answers that very well as we read in Revelations 21. Talks about there in Revelations 21, 16 that heaven is four square, 12,000 furlongs square. If you try to devil that out in a way we can understand it a little better, that's about 1,500 miles square. So that's going to be big enough. And the, the height, uh, I've forgotten now, I think 218 cubics or something. I forgot what that said. So what about heaven? What about heaven? What's it mean to you to, to know that God has made that place possible for us to exist throughout eternity? One of the things that I want the world and you and I to realize and maybe let someone else know is the fact that every person that has ever been born or will ever be born will never die. It's Bible as it can be that your existence is an eternal existence. Whether you're saved or lost, you will reside in some sort of existence forever and ever. Certainly, you know, if it's hell, there'll be the times of torment that will not end where the worm never dieth, the Bible says, and where we find that that terrible torment will continue on and on. And, you know, I, I read the story about the rich man, and it has nothing to do with the dollar bill, but the rich man who uh, died, and one of the things was the problem was that he didn't, wasn't a very good Samaritan helper, uh, and he uh, died, but before he died, Lazarus had died, the man who didn't have a whole lot in this world. But when, he, when the rich man died also, and I dare say there probably wasn't very many at his funeral. But when he died, he looked afar off and he could see Abraham and Lazarus in his bosom. Now, I don't know how you read that, but I read that as Lazarus was in heaven, some sort of quiet, settled, peaceful condition with God. Abraham, Father Abraham, you know, that's, that's just speaking of God himself. And so he was there already enjoying the, the peaceful setting of heaven itself. But the rich man didn't have that. And he re lifted up his eyes in torment and he looked afar off and he saw Lazarus in heaven. And he realized that he didn't have what Lazarus had. Because you see, heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. If you're going to go to heaven, you need to be expected. You need to get a passport. You need to get a ticket, if you please. 
And that ticket is spelled out with the salvation for your soul. It has been signed by Jesus' blood from the cross. And he makes it possible that you will exist in that heavenly setting forever and ever. But the Lazarus was there and the rich man wasn't. And he said, Father Abraham, God, I have some family that's back home, hasn't died yet. Would you please send someone from the dead to tell them the awfulness of hell and what it's like to not be able to go to heaven? I, I wished I had have changed my mind, but I waited too late. And he said, though one would go back from the dead, they still wouldn't believe. And he spoke of Jesus. And though Jesus did come back from the grave, come back from the cross, the crucifixion of the cross, the death that he suffered. He came back and that alone, you know, I hear people say, I want a dramatic experience with God. Do you want to have a dramatic experience with God? See the dramatic action that God took to make it possible for you to have that. Because I hear people say, I just, I wish God would show me again just, just what it's all about. Let me know that he loves me. I, I don't understand. I don't fully have a grasp on that. It's not fair to God and to Jesus especially to ask him to be crucified again. It is not right that we say, God, would you kill him again so I'll know for sure that you love me. It's not right. Because Jesus was more dramatic on the cross than anybody could ever be or God himself could do in your life. I worked with a man once that talked. He said he had a brother-in-law that was a minister. And this young man that I worked with was lost. And I talked to him different times about about God and about his need to be saved. And he said, but I'm waiting for a dramatic experience because my brother-in-law said, one of these days you'll be walking down the road and God will strike you to your knees and you'll know. I said, oh my goodness. For heaven's sake, let me tell you about that that you've just said. Please don't ask Jesus to die again. And he did more dramatic things than he could ever do on the cross. Please don't ask him. And one of the things, friend, you could walk straight into a devil's hell waiting for God to knock you to your knees. It's not always that way. And I think it would be quite well if God would give us a Paul experience every time. But it's not the will of God. Sometimes it's a still, small voice. It's a quiet, settled spirit. It's something that the heart knows if you just listen. And sometimes the world is making a lot of racket, but they can't outdrown God if you just shut it off. I remember the movie we went to, uh, was it Prayer Room? Prayer Room. Now, that was the neatest thing. War Room. That's what it was. War Room. I remember thinking, uh, well, my goodness, we're going to see a war movie, a killing and carrying on, but it wasn't so. It talked about a, a prayer warrior, a place that a room set aside that this lady could go in and just... Shut the world out and just literally lift God up in the needs that, and other people up in the needs that she had on her heart. Another material that we could send to heaven was be one of his disciples. That's the window of God's word as we can see that. Malachi 3.10 says that he will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. That doesn't sound to me like a myth. That sounds to me like the physical existence of something that has been prepared for God's children. Please understand that God has said it that way. Revelations 21 makes it very, very plain about 
our existence there, and that is in the verse, verse 4 says, and God shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. That's going to happen. It's going to happen before one tiny tear can fall. Jesus will wipe it away. And you're going to exist in some sort of setting that you can't imagine. I read a story this week about a, a man, uh, well, his name was Virgil Brooke, that had wrote uh, the song, uh, I think he wrote the song, When the Rollers Call Up Yonder, I'm not sure. One of those songs that talks about heaven. He and his wife uh, uh, had written a, a song, his wife Blanche had written a song about heaven. And the, what brought it on was the fact that uh, he had a, a cousin that was blind. And one day they were, late one afternoon, they were sitting on the, on the back porch and the sun was setting uh, in the west, in the west. And uh, they were describing it, how beautiful it was. And the blind man said, thank you all so much for helping me see the sunset today. Someone questioned, but you can see, I thought you were totally blind. He said, I am. But I see through your eyes. I see through your voice. And I might just be able to say to you, as he said to his family, sometimes I can even see beyond the sunset. I love that song. Some glorious morning beyond the sunset, we'll be able to see what we have never seen. The glorious existence that God has made possible. I want to I turn to Ephesians 1, 7. I was want to say a verse or two of that, but I want it every word to be heard. Uh, Ephesians, the seventh, the first chapter, the beginning of the seventh verse, if you'd like to look at it, let the words jump out at you and draw you a picture of redemption that, that we can have. Paul said, in whom we have redemption through, the, through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, where he hath abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation and the fullness of time uh, <clears throat> he might gather together in one, uh, in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. And he goes on to talk about that inheritance in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, in whom also that after ye believed ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Let me say that again. Don't doubt salvation as Satan would have you to because when you were saved by the grace of God, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The world, Satan, and nothing else can take that out of your heart because it has been embedded there and that is the earnest of the inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, Jesus said. Amen. He's, got, he's already purchased my soul and I don't have to worry, though I'm an imperfect person and sometimes sin lies at the door, I know that God has made it possible for me to go to heaven one day. You, I, when we were singing the song a while ago, when the rollers call up yonder, y'all remember, I remember so well when I was in grade school especially, and it seemed like maybe a little high school, I'm not sure. But the teachers start calling the name, see if you was there. And you said here or present. Do you know I believe the roll call is going to be in heaven one day. When the roll is called up yonder, I'm going to say, here I am, Lord. I've come and I've answered the call. Do you have that embedded in your heart today? Will you see Jesus after a while? 
You know, one of the songs that I love to hear is, and it reminds me of the little sometimes that we let the Lord lead us in, and simply says, must I go on empty-handed? Must I meet my Savior's soul? Not one soul with him to greet him. Must an empty-handed go? You know, I might ask a staggering question today. How long has it been since you were a direct influence on causing someone to come to know Jesus Christ, the Savior and Lord? Let that shock you. Let that dare you to walk any further without telling someone else about Jesus. And I've heard over and over, but let's get them to church and let the preacher tell them about that. You are ministers just as I. We are all ministers of the gospel. The royal priesthood, Jesus calls us. And that is all of us, not just me. So you say, but I don't know enough about the Bible to lead someone to the Lord to know about heaven. That's a cop out. That's a terrible excuse for not telling someone about Jesus. So what do I say, you might say? Tell them what Jesus has done in your own life. What a beautiful testimony it is. Say, let me tell you what happened to me one day. Jesus touched my heart. And I realized a need that I had never found. And I come to know him as Savior and Lord of my life. That's what you say. That's how you let others know the joy of knowing Jesus. The blessedness of believing in an almighty God. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. And I'm going to pray that all of us in the coming days and beginning tomorrow, maybe even this evening, that we would develop a boldness in the spirit that God would use us in such a dramatic way that someone tomorrow at your workplace or wherever it might be, without you saying a word, will be able to say as Jesus said to, to the, about the disciples, or when someone said something about the disciples concerning Jesus, I believe they've been with Jesus. May that influence in your life bring about a joy to, that others can find. So the lamb, the bride, the church, you. Are you ready? Are you ready for heaven? Have you sent up materials for the home that Jesus is making possible? You know, I also believe in the walls of jasper, the streets of gold, and the gates of pearl. I believe in all of that. It's Bible as it can be. The Bible says in Revelations again that you can't take anything from or add to the scripture or you're in danger of not heaven. So, are you looking forward to heaven? Oh, I know we love this life. I do too. And I love family and friends and worshiping with you all. But one of these days, I'm going to go to heaven and see my Jesus. Is that hope in your heart today? Get ready. Get your ticket. Get packed and be ready to go when Jesus calls your name. And you can say, here I am, Lord. Take me home. Story is told about the, the older fellow. I don't know, may have done told it. I don't even remember. But anyway, Bill Skaggs is not here, so he won't remind me that I've told it before. Uh, <clears throat> the, the guy had said that he, he, was, uh, he couldn't talk plain. I seen it on TV here two or three weeks ago on the Gaither thing, I think. And he said, you know, said uh, I, and he wasn't talking real plain, he said, I'm still in the oven. And my God is in the kitchen, and he's still cooking on me. But one of these days, he's going to open that oven door, and he's going to pull me out, and he's going to say, well done. 
Is God ready to say well done my good and faithful servant to you? Have you went the extra mile for someone? Have you been an instrument in the hands of God? Have you mirrored the love of Jesus in someone's life that needs to see it? What about heaven? Are you on your way? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for being able to see a vision, to being able to just have thoughts about that that you have in mind. And Lord, I kind of feel like you get anxious to show us, and we, Lord, we know that one day you will. So, Lord, I just ask you to guide us now while we're here that we might continue to be your children, a part of your bride, that we might be able to get ready and put on those righteous garments that you need us to wear, that the church will be beautiful, even prettier than ever one day. And, Lord, I know as the world might feel like the church is dying, but it is not. I know, Lord, that's a promise. We're just getting ready. We're getting dressed to go to heaven. Guide us as we do. In your precious name we pray. Amen.